Hour two of the Blitz. It's starting right now. Live here on 1340 AM, 105.7 FM. We're live on your Fan Run Radio app. That's free wherever you get your apps. We're also live uh, in the Fan Run Radio web browser. And over on the Fox Sports Knoxville Twitter page, if you would like to watch along that video feed, it's up there. You can watch along at home. Me and Sam on the cam. Uh, let's get hour two started with an opening drive, Sam. Let's hit that music. All right, first down. Probably not the most first down worthy headline here, but I, I just I needed to bring it up because it made me laugh. Um, Ken Wisenhunt mm, has joined Alabama football staff as a special assistant to head coach Nick Saban. Forgot that Ken Wisenhunt existed, uh, to be quite honest. But he spent the last two seasons as an offensive analyst at Penn State. Really? Yeah. Uh, He was obviously the Tennessee Titans head coach at one point. It was also the Cardinals head coach at one point. Uh, And he was a four-year Chargers offensive coordinator and got fired in 2019. Got started in the SEC back in 1995 as Vanderbilt's tight end coach uh, before the lengthy NFL career. A lot of bad memories with Ken Wisenhunt. Those were mm-hmm. some bad, bad Those are some tough Titans years. Those are some tough Titans years. The Wiz Nut. First, uh, what's the first thing you think of when you think Ken Wisenhunt, Tennessee Titans? Losing. <laughs> Sankey for Stanky. Mm. One time I, uh, <laughs> I had Bishop Sankey on my fantasy team one time as a kid. And I like got logged out of my ESPN, and so I had to like go into customer service or whatever to like help me get back in. Like I just Please couldn't get Bishop couldn't off my roster. They were like, "Can you? Can we? Uh, like we just wanted to have your uh, team name to verify that it's you." And I was like, "Uh, it's you, Sankey'd my battleship." <laughs> Never forget. Very embarrassing. Just sit, Sankey sitting Sankey there on the was, phone was one of the funniest, funniest yeah. memories in. Uh, an otherwise bleak period of Titans history. When I think of Bishop, when I not Bishop Sankey, when I think of of Ken Wisenhut, I think of J.J. Watt sacking Zach Bettenberger and then taking a selfie with him on the ground. That was tough. That was borderline. Just that wasn't tough. That was just disrespectful. I used to I used to harbor a lot of resentment towards Mr. J.J. Watt. I'm slowly coming around to yeah. I'm slowly coming around not to liking him. I will. I refuse to ever like J.J. Watt. You're not going to like him? I'm coming around to, like, I won't, I won't hate you anymore. A couple I of interviews I've listened with him, I'm like, man, this, he's a good guy. I have to find a new fantasy team name, too. My fantasy team name for, like, nine or ten years now has just been J.J. Watt has an STD. <laughs> just nice and simple. What do, what do you think you're changing it to now? I don't know. Play with a lot of Colts fans. Maybe I'll just take some shots at the Colts. Yeah, like some, it's got to do with Jeff Saturday. I usually have pretty aggressive 
fantasy team names that act, that have real like no real creativity to them, <laughs> uh, but are just a direct insult to a person or team that I dislike. Those are usually my fantasy names. We'll like, I try and wrap it up with someone who's in my. Yeah, it'll be funny because you'll look at a league and it'll just be like seven team names or like all yeah like wrapped into players like two girlies one cup like that kind of stuff mm-hmm. and then you'll just have one team name that's just like i hate the colts yeah yeah it's like oh i, I wonder you. who that is wonder who that is uh second down second down the big cat's back tiger woods plays some golf today charlie oh we got tiger wait a second did i did i miss it is it too late to bet on tony fino no, no, well, maybe. Actually, I don't know. It might be, yeah. I got. Is this a live? We just caught you live, not betting on Tony Finau for a week? No, because I'm going to do it right now, just live. That's happened to me a couple of times where I've had to live bet him like mm. Thursday around noon. Because it sometimes, sometimes, I'll, I'll be honest, sometimes Thursday morning I forget that it's Thursday and I forget yeah. that the golf tournament starts. Yeah, it is. It's, it's, easy to forget and then all of a sudden i get a little notification that pops up from the pga tour app and it's like so and so just teed off has tony teed off i don't know if he has i don't even know if he's playing in this tournament honestly i've i've been really distracted by college basketball yeah um but tiger he's back he's playing at the genesis uh one of his big one of his big sponsors this is a big tournament in the pga tour track playing with rory and justin thomas today this is not fair what he has the fourth best odds well, he's good. It's the, it's what the are the odds? Of him winning some of what, is, what does he have? Like 1,200? 16 to 1. 16, okay. He has the fifth best odds, actually. Should I use a free bet on this one? I have a $24 free bet. $24? It's a free bet. Oh, no, they just locked Tony Finau. Mm, maybe he just made a birdie. Maybe he just teed off. Oh, no, they just locked everyone. They just locked the entire tournament field for a second. So it'll probably come back in like five minutes. Yeah. Well, Tiger's back, playing at 3 o'clock, playing with two of the best in the world, Rory McIlroy, Justin Thomas. It'll be interesting to see Tiger back. We haven't seen him uh, since the Open. Leg looked a little rough over there, overseas. People were, you know, just a little a little iffy on his future in golf, how he was going to play, and if he was going to play in any tournaments outside of majors. So good to see him back. Genesis kind of a tough, tough, uh, tough place to walk, kind of. So we'll see how his leg holds up. Apparently, before the pro am yesterday, Tiger got up at 3 a.m. because they found out some new way to like tape his ankle and leg to make it a lot more stable and so he can walk longer. But he's waking up at 3 a.m. to start taping his ankle. So we couldn't do that at a later at, like, date. 6 a.m. Surely, surely he doesn't actually need to get up at, at or like 3 a.m. to tape it up. Tape your ankle like at that before point, you go to sleep, maybe. Yeah, and then just point, get a full just night's sleep. Sleep later and, 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 yeah. ta- and sleep with tape. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. That's just tagging. Crazy. Jim McKay. Yep. Said that, uh, well, some, just some recent reviews of Tiger's game. Um, said that he was impressed with a lot of things this past week. Just talking about some practice rounds, whatever else. He said, nothing impressed me more than how well Tiger played. Mm. I was out there thinking, oh my gosh, it's a Ryder Cup year. Mm? Imagine like a little uh, live live golf. You get like 
I mean, Rory will be on Team Europe, but like you get you get Tiger trying to play some live guys. I mean, the other week in uh, the other week in Orlando, from like 150 in, he was sharp. Yeah, I mean, he's been looking like a PGA player again lately, and really the biggest thing was like in Orlando, that's a flat course, mm -hmm. and these hilly courses where he has to walk a lot, like that's. That's the issue. Yeah, like he, at this point, it seems like he can hit all the shots, but he can't walk the way he wants. It's exactly. pretty simple. Like, yeah, he's you been watch on him over a ball it. with a shorter club, and and you can forget that his leg was crushed by an SUV, and then you see him walk to his next shot, and he looks like he's served like seven tours overseas, and you're yeah. like, okay, yeah, that's an issue. Um, luckily. Luckily, this week, this weekend, um, you have a steep walk downhill the first hole and a steep walk uphill on the last hole. And for the most part, Riviera, pretty flat. Pretty, pretty flat. So, uh, I don't know. I think Tiger makes the cut. I think he's going to make the cut. I think yeah, I think gonna he's going to make the like cut. A, I think he might even go top 25. Really? I have a weird feeling. Just a flat course. It feels like a good time for Tiger. Then again, he's never really had a ton of success at this course, correct? Um, like relative to his career, correct? Yeah. Plus five hundred, top twenty. Um, plus one fifty to make the cut. So they think he's a pretty good, pretty good odds to make the cut there. All right. I think he has a pretty good week. Like you said, I think a lot of it has been uh, his ability to walk, not his ability to hit shots and everything. So I think if he can get the get the leg feeling better, I think he can do well. You think he would ever be? Like swallow his pride and, and pull a John Daly and like yeah. apply to be able to get a cart. I don't think so. I think he I think he'd just retire before he does that. Because I think I think if you gave him a cart, he could win one more. Oh, he, easily. I think he could win a couple more if he had a cart. Honestly, I think that's part of the reason why though he doesn't want any asterisks behind his behind the the you know chasing major record on on Nicholas there. Fourth down, some non-sports news. Uh, you a fan of the TV show Yellowstone? Uh, I've only seen one season of it. Oh wait, yeah, we've talked about this. Yeah. It's still unbelievable to me that you watched that first season and like didn't immediately need to go watch season two. You told me to pace myself with shows, so that's why I'm pacing myself with this Shut one. <laughs> um, doesn't look like Yellowstone gonna return to filming is scheduled. Uh, fans are they aren't returning waiting to for filming? some status updates. What? They aren't returning to filming? It doesn't look like they, oh. they might not be able to. So, report claimed that Kevin Costner might be on the way out. Mm. And if he does leave the show, Paramount is expected to pursue Matthew McConaughey <laughs> for a show with several members of the Yellowstone cast. But uh, this series is supposed to return this summer for the second half of season five. Uh, with shooting supposed to resume here in March, coming up in a couple weeks. It's looking increasingly doubtful, according to reports, uh, with all the ongoing issues. There's a chance the return could be delayed, uh, and that means in rest of getting, you know, the, instead of getting the rest of season five this summer, might not show up till fall. Um, Costner leaving wouldn't immediately result in the plug being pulled, um, but it would obviously make things. Pretty, 
difficult. And and really, I don't know. There's been been a lot going on. Been a lot going on behind the scenes with Yellowstone. Personally, I think the show has deteriorated a good bit in the last season and a half. Yeah, I've heard the last season isn't as good as. I feel like they've gone it, too long, was. constantly threatening the lives of main characters without ever killing them. Where the show's stakes don't really feel as high anymore, because you just think, "Oh, how are they going to get out of this one? How are they going to get out of that one?" And that, and they've gone away from some of the action. They've really slowed the pace of the show, and it's gotten more and more like like a cowboy soap opera, basically. I think you get that with a lot of shows so, that have a good concept, and then they just kind of drag it out a little too far. I guess. Hopefully, I have no this idea is enough to just seen the show. Yeah, I think more shows could learn a lesson and just be like, "Hey, you know what? We could drag it out to six or seven seasons. Let's keep it at four and five. Let's tell a a good, concise, well-paced story. Let's take our flowers and let's move on." I, I mean, I get that's tough to do, but I think Yellowstone could have benefited from that. Um, Hopefully, honestly, I hope this just means that they instead accelerate the ending and wrap it up. You don't want McConaughey? Well, I mean, I think that would just be a different show in its entirety. I think you could just take Kevin Costner and be like, all right, close your eyes. Open them. It's Matthew McConaughey. Like, uh, that's not going to work. Yeah, I already had not. too hard of a time dealing with uh, uh, a change to one of the daughters in last man standing after season one you think we can just take a main character in yellowstone and just be like yeah he's a different person now i, I mean i guess not i guess not fourth down sam uh fourth down uh chicago bears finalized the purchase of their arlington park property where their new future stadium is planned to be to where they plan to break ground uh they finalized the purchase Yesterday, September of 2021, they signed an agreement for the Arlington Heights racehorse property, I guess. 326 acres, 197 million, massive property. Uh, the Bears should be building the massive stadium out there. Big new stadium, one of the one of the big gonna be a big new attraction, I guess, in Chicago. A lot of things to happen, future it Super Bowls, some final fours. Sickens. It sickens Charlie. The 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 tradition of Soldier, Soldier Field was one of the last things we had left. Gone. Bears have played at Soldier Field since seventy one. Let's just get rid of Lambo too. Okay. Burn it. Just burn it to the ground. Let's play let's just start playing dome football in Green Bay. Um Justin Fields went on a podcast and said that he wants a dome. So yeah, Justin Fields. Maybe he's, well, the Bears are going to want a new quarterback. In maybe he's years. maybe he's spearheading this operation. You're not even going to get to. You're not even going to be a Bear by the time they play in the stadium. Bum. Bum. Win more than two games. Bum. <laughs> Stupid dome. Stupid soldier Getting rid of it. Charlie against the, the dome. Just a. Just a. It's, I'm losing. An age old. Domes are kicking my ass. Yeah, yeah, they are. I mean, goodness, what? I don't know how to fight back at this point. No, I don't think you. I don't think you can fight back. I, I think, think you maybe need to I, surrender. I need to. I don't know. I, I need think you to need to surrender. Start fighting against like STEM programs. Get people out of engineering. Get people out of architecture, so we don't have people to build these complex domes. I think maybe that's. Let's where just I start. let's I start. Let's switch the, to grass and turf. 
We don't even need to get into grass and turf. That's really. Let's switch to all domes with grass fields. That doesn't work at all. I don't know how many more times we need to try it, but it's not going to work. You can spend two years making a field for a Super Bowl, and if it's an indoor-outdoor field with a bunch of paint on it, and you roll it in and you roll it out, it's just not going to work. It doesn't work. What's going to work? Nothing. Soldier Field, that's what works. Playing on dirt. Send us a break. I'm angry. Switch gears here before we kind of get our final thoughts on last night's basketball game. Talk a little Tennessee baseball. Uh, we talked a little fall baseball yesterday. We'll talk a little bit more today as we approach tomorrow's season opener. We have some more insight on what the lineups are going to look like. Uh, so first of all, we have our projected pitching matchups from the weekend. Tennessee switching it around. Uh, Chase Burns, no longer your Friday night starter. Mm. Chase Dolander has now bumped up to that Friday spot. Okay. Uh, Chase Burns will now slide into that Saturday role, and then it'll be Drew Beam on on Sunday. Mm. Um, so, Arizona, Friday, uh, you're going to see T.J. Nichols up against Chase Dolander. It's a pretty decent pitching matchup. TJ Nichols for Arizona, uh, the projected starter at least. He comes into the season uh, number 71 in terms of the MLB pipeline top 100 draft prospects. Chase Dolander, number two. You know He's going to be presumably a, at worst a top five pick. At best, potentially the best top pick, pick in the draft. For sure. Um, and, you know, a pretty good righty with TJ Nichols going up against him. So, I, I understand the move. Like, I understand uh, sliding Chase Dolander up to Friday. I mean, that's what you're supposed to do, right? Like, that's what's typical. Your, your Friday night starter is typically your best starter. But, in a way, you know, you don't really have to consider arms either. They're all three righties. But, in a way... I kind of liked having him on Saturday. I I, I kind of thought that, you know, maybe the way that we viewed pitching rotations could even change a little bit, especially when your number two in Chase Burns is also probably going to be a top five pick just in 2024. Right. Um, to me, that Saturday game is, is like the hinge game for me because you think about it, what what is that Saturday game? Either you're up 1-0 – in the series and you have a chance to then win the series like that is your decisive game to uh here you can win the series this game that's when i would want my shutdown guy to go grab it by the throat and take a series away mm -hmm. at the same time what else could be the case saturday well you're down 0-1 in the series all right well Got to go get it back Saturday. You can't afford to go down 0-2 so you can still get a chance to win that series Sunday. You know, when your back's against the wall, when you need to get a win, who do you want out there? I think, again, your ace. I, I don't know. I, I think that maybe there's – I understand, like, the ideology has been the same the entire time, but I, I thought that maybe we could see a shift in that. Yeah. Um, either way, you know, Chase Dolander on Friday night. You feel like you're going to win a lot of Friday nights with, with him on the mound. Maybe they think um, they got two of those guys, though. 
you know? I mean, you really do. You do. Chase Burns, too, if, if he has – we were talking about it some yesterday. If he has if he's developed that off-speed, that secondary pitch, if he can – you know, if he has more than one go-to strikeout pitch, my goodness, watch out for him, too. Um, but that's what your pitching rotation is going to look like for the time being. Uh, I imagine it stays the same, but I still think you could see some experimentation here before you get into SEC play and maybe see like a – Maybe see you know Seth Halverson or or Wyatt Evans get a spot start on a weekend. I doubt it, but I think you could see it. In terms of your starting lineup, we don't really know what the batting order might look like, but we do have a projected starting lineup, and it's looking like, well, exactly what you'd expect in the infield. Blake Burke at first, Christian Moore at second, Maui Ahuna at shortstop, and Zane Denton at third base. Mm-hmm. Um, Christian Scott. Kyle Booker, Jared Dickey making up the outfield right now. You look at that and you think, wait a second, where's Griffin Merritt? Uh, Reigning American Player of the Year. Transfer from Cincinnati, you know, one of the leaders of this team, presumably. Well, he got ejected in his final game of the season, which means that he carries over a two-game suspension into this season. So. Won't get to see him until Sunday against UC San Diego. I didn't know that. That's funny. <laughs> I didn't realize that yesterday until yesterday either. Logan Quentin was like, hey, did you realize that Griffin Merritt's out the first two games? No idea. Had no idea. Um, that's crazy. He's got a service suspension that he had at a previous school. Yeah. So that's kind of, I, I think, what we talked about yesterday, defaulting to those two veteran outfielders just because there is such a, a mess in the outfield. You default to those two veteran outfielders and Kyle Booker, Christian Scott, and either they you know, take this opportunity here to, to start by the horns and, and they ride away with it like we saw Trey Lipscomb do, like we saw uh, Ortega do last year, or you know, they, they, they are put there until and, and someone beats them out, which I think could be more of a, a more likely possibility again with drilling and with uh, Reese Chapman and with Colby Backus. Um, I think that that's more likely. You're going to see three different outfields this weekend. Charlie Taylor going to start a catcher, but you're going to see multiple catchers this week too. I think Cal Stark uh, probably going to catch Saturday. Maybe Charlie Taylor brings it home Sunday. Um, Griffin Merritt again, he'll play Sunday. I think you'll probably see Drailing and Backus and, and – um, you know, you'll you'll see all your outfielders, all your outfielders this week as well. But for now, we have some projected starting lineups, and oh baby, that is just a, a talented, talented baseball team. I love having a good baseball team. It's so much fun to have a good baseball team, and this baseball team—they're a top two team in the country, and they mm-hmm. probably will be, probably will be all year long. So, got some lineup news. Now we will catch a break, but on the other side, we'll head back to the Big Orange Philly phone lines. we got Matthew waiting on the line. Matthew, stay with us. On the other side, we'll come to you. Stay with us here on the Blitz. Final thoughts on UT Alabama, but first we're gonna head back over to the Big Orange Philly phone lines. We got a call from Matthew. 
Matthew, what's up? You're on with me and Sam. Hey, yeah. Is this a first? Do we usually always just do you and Sam now, or? Uh, I mean, we've had some episodes just yeah, me and Sam couple. when Andy's been traveling for for play by play. Yeah. Yeah. Now for the time being, it'll just it'll it'll be me and Sam, and and just me and um, Sam. Well, I think we can still do it. I think personally, Sam has the the brains of this whole operation, Charlie. I think he deserves more airtime. I agree, Matthew. Oh, by the way, Sam, and I say this totally joking, Charlie, but if you ever have car trouble or are in a burning building and you need Charlie, and a Tennessee basketball game is on, he will not answer your phone call. <laughs> no, Charlie's just straight faced over there. Yeah, I mean, not not going to. <laughs> Straight up. If I if someone calls me twice during a Tennessee basketball game, I'll answer the second one. But, I mean, if my mom could have called last night during the game, and I wouldn't have answered. Actually, actually, I might have answered because I think she already would know that I wouldn't have answered if it was a regular call. So I would think I would have sensed that there was something urgent. I don't know. You know, she, probably would, wouldn't she would have the actual – she would have the common uh, knowledge to just send you a text. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey baby, in a burning building, please come save me. <laughs> Hugs and kisses. <laughs> call me when the game's over. <laughs> I would hope that she would wouldn't waste her time calling me, and she'd call some firefighters instead. Yeah, um, guys, you know, last night was great. I think what thank you. What makes this so? Uh, Sorry, we're having a chili cook-off at our office, and I'm literally wearing a cowboy hat, and someone just came by and said, love the hat. So, <laughs> yeah, there's that. <laughs> um, Guys, a chili cook-off oh, sounds great right now. Yeah, yeah, I know, and you know what's great is, like, it's kind of like mid-50s. Not, 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 like, super cold, but it's just that nice temperature where you need, like, a nice pot of chili. And yeah, it's I have easy. to say, it's going to be uh, – I haven't tasted it yet, but I think it's going to be up there. Um but no, listen, guys, last night was great because Tennessee showed that it can compete with anybody in the country, and nobody was questioning that. I think everyone on this is listening to the show and hosts the show and, and talks about the show knows that Tennessee basketball is a very competitive team this year. But what we've, ser- we've so desperately wanted is a more offensive showing, and we still didn't show that last night. We hit six threes, but here's the thing. That's never going to be Tennessee's game. I, I, I have fully bought into the idea that Tennessee, if they want to make that Final Four run, that they're going to be, I hate to say it, Charlie, a Memphis Grizzly grit and grind mentality. They are going to, if they want to be their best, just like they did Texas, they're going to play physical. They're going to play you with their backs against the wall. They're going to play you down low. They're going to get a little ch- chippy. And if we get a couple shots that are open to, to knock down, you know, that, that's great, but I, I don't expect consistently, at least, I don't expect our guards to ever just light it up from the, from the three. Is that is that a fair assessment, Charlie? Yeah, I mean, I think they're capable, but but the consistency is, is more so the issue. Um, yeah. But, yeah, Tennessee showed last night. Tennessee is an elite team. Mm-hmm. They have tendencies to to play like they're not an elite team from time to time which is frustrating and i think that's i I mean if tennessee was more more of a middle of the pack team and had some of these bad games would honestly maybe be less frustrating than when you see a team that is capable of both being elite and losing to florida by 13 on the road like it's just 
I, I get the frustrations. Tennessee is a flawed basketball team. There's no denying that. I, I think the fortunate aspect is that in this season, there is no basketball team uh, that doesn't have flaws and doesn't even have like some at least pretty decent flaws too. So, uh, I mean, well, yeah, that's yeah. good for Tennessee, but they're capable. But, I think last night again once more showed you that at least that, that Tennessee is capable. They might not be consistent, but they're capable. I think I think you just summarized it completely great. So I can give you back some time, but everybody in this entire college basketball, almost like football, college basketball landscape is not it, the the top shelf bourbon is now at the middle shelf bourbon. Like everybody in this, like there's not one team out there that you're just like that team's the best team in the country. There's literally, I think, ten teams I can name that could win the win win in March right now. Like, and I literally think if you played roulette with them, every single team would come out on top. Like, it's there's not one team. Like, I know you probably want to make an argument for Purdue, but still, I truly would take the field over Purdue right now. Yeah, I mean, I, I but I, I I think that's just the case with every single team. Like, they're, I mean, I would you could even group Alabama, Houston, and Purdue together and say you want those three or do you want the field? And I still think I'd take the field because of how, yeah. uh, you know, just the parity that we've seen in college basketball this year. Because yeah. one through forty is about the worst it's ever been, and 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 forty one through seventy is better than in a lot of typical years. And that just kind of leads to chaos. Ranked teams this year on the road are or higher ranked teams playing a lower ranked team on the road this year. They're significantly under 500. Not just under 500, but by a pretty decent margin. And and just in general, you know, ranked teams on the road this year uh I think barely above 500. So mm-hmm. it's been bad. Uh, it's been it's been hard and I mean there there's there's no <laughs> there's no rest anywhere in college basketball this year. No, we'll we'll have to turn our attention, boys. Let's let's bring the physicality. I'll be really interested to see how how it plays up in Rupp. I know Rupp's always a tough place to play, but I really I don't know. I just feel like if we play, even if the way we shot, if we play how we did last night, I think. You take care of business up and up, but we'll have to see how the refs let it play out. But uh, the last thing I'll say, Charlie, watch out. It's CJ Stroud to the Colts season. Take care. I think I'd be all right with the Colts taking CJ Stroud. So yeah. When's the last time an Ohio State quarterback's worked out? Justin Fields. Worked out and to the tune of two wins. I mean, that's, he's still up in the air. He's working out. He's working out. I don't think he's working out. I, I don't he think he hasn't worked out yet. I just don't think he's working out either. I think he's still very much up in the air about which direction he's going to I think he's found turn. a way to work out with what he's working with. <laughs> either way, uh, <laughs> yeah, it'd be cool with the Colts taking Stroud. You're still supposed to take Will Levis, so please do that. But, you know, I don't really like any of these top quarterbacks all that much. Um, but yeah, Tennessee. I mean, I, you know, they're an elite basketball team, and, and they didn't always play like it. You know, they haven't always played like it this year, and that's frustrating. But they can play like it. There's not a team in the country that this team can't beat. Which, uh, I mean, 
three top ten wins now. Um, three of the best teams in the country have all come to find that out against Tennessee, Kansas, Texas, now Alabama. And, you know, really Arizona was a game that you, you probably win more often than not with even some decent officiating. So, uh, I mean, this team could play with anybody. They can just play down as well. Um, Kentucky, though, should be interesting, should be fun. I don't think you're going to lose to Kentucky. You don't lose to Kentucky twice. You don't get swept Yeah, by I don't Kentucky. think so. That's just not something that happens. I uh, want to circle back to this real quick. We were talking about the impact that, that Jemai Meshack had. Uh, saw last night that his plus-minus, despite not scoring a point, was plus-9. Crazy. Pretty damn impressive. Yeah. But uh, Will Warren, stats by Will. I, I saw this tweet come up on the timeline earlier this hour. Brandon Miller, uh, when Jemai Meshack was in the game, was 0 of 6 from the field. Scored four points uh, via free throws, but for the 27 minutes Jemai Meshack played, Brandon Miller did not make a shot. Wow. The 13 minutes that Jemai Meshack spent on the bench, largely because of you know the foul trouble he got into, uh, Brandon Miller, four of five, 11 points. Quite simply, one of the best defensive performances that we've seen in college basketball you know, this decade. And without a doubt, in my opinion, the best defensive performance uh, to date in college basketball this season. To date. But, man, Jemai was excellent. The arena was fantastic. Thompson Bowling Arena showed once again why it is one of the better venues in college basketball, even if it doesn't always get discussed as such. Uh, just because of its its sheer size, you know, it's, it's tough sometimes, but... That place, very hard to play. Uh, Jonas Adu showed you why you can, you know, what what there is to be excited about him. Such a, an athletic defender, uh, a great defender. Knocked down some of those elbow shots, those free throw line shots. Had a sequence that really I think clinched you the game with about four minutes left. Zakai Ziegler airballs a three, but somehow Adu gets there, gets the tip in, gets the block on the other side, and was able to block it. Straight into a defensive rebound, which then led to, to some more Tennessee points. That was the game-sealing sequence. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was also just kind of the, the last four minutes. The closeout you've been looking for for Tennessee. You know, they, they, they showed that killer instinct. They turned Alabama over. They made it tough to get some shots to get back in the game. They made most of their free throws. Uh, Tennessee showed that instinct. Love what Tennessee has with their bigs, too. You know, it, yeah. it feels like each matchup kind of depends on how those guys will rotate, how they'll play. I think you kind of ride the hot hand some, too. But Tobe, Awaka, Jonas Adu, and, and Uros Plasvich can all kind of – I think they all play their role really well, and they're all pretty unselfish, too, when it comes to the rotation. Like, there's not a lot of egos in that room. So I, I think that Rick Barnes can kind of utilize, you know, whichever one of those three and whichever one of those individual skill sets he deems necessary based on the matchup. And, you know, sometimes Urosh can score 19 against Kentucky and sometimes he can play nine minutes. Sometimes Jonas can have a double-double against the number one team in the country. Sometimes he can and, and start a game and sometimes he can play 
nine minutes. Sometimes it's Tobey who can, you know, have 11 and eight and, and be this offensive rebounding force. And sometimes it's him playing, you know, single digit minutes. I, I think that they all have a unique role for this team. Tobey a little undersized, but he's just your gritty, tough, just bull to have in the paint. Basically, like he, he's just your rebounder, your tough guy, your your message sender. I think that Uros, weirdly enough, has some of the best like low block, back to the basket offensive game. Out of the three, um, didn't see that coming, but but it seems to be the case. Uh, he, he's really gotten a lot better in that regard, and I think that people severely underestimate Uroch's basketball IQ. Just the way that, you know, I think he's a really good passer. Uh, I think that he runs the floor well. I think that he spaces well. I think that he does a really nice job moving without the basketball, sealing off drives and positioning himself uh, to, to help out his teammates. So I, I think that he kind of does that role pretty well, and, you know, he can be your your, your tone setter a little bit too your attitude guy a little bit too and then you know Jonas Adu like that's your stopper that can be your rim protector that can be your elbow jump shot guy like they all have their different role they all do it really play it really well and and I think Rick Barnes more often than not pushes the right buttons with those guys too um again just a culture win culture win and some of the best defense that you'll ever be blessed with to see in, in your lifetime last night and you needed it. Your backs were against the wall. You lost two straight. You lost three or four. Feels like you got new life. Like it really it does. It it does feel like you have an, a new lease on life's life with this season. You're right back to a two seed. You know, you're right back into that range, at least according to one Joey Brackets. Yeah, you weren't winning the regular season title. No. So you just you know, you kinda you brush that one off and then now you you know, you reset and you beat the team that was leading the conference and now you Got an opportunity Saturday to go and beat your rival in Kentucky. I feel like it's now like you can you can view it as you know you're playing bad, or you can just kind of turn the page and put your worst basketball behind you and, and try and you know gain some good momentum going into the SEC tournament into March. So if you're a two seed, that was a huge win last if you're night. You're a two seed. You'd probably rather you be, be a, a two final side. four team. You'd probably rather be. You a can two be seed. a final four team as a two seed. I don't want to be playing an eight or a nine in the second round. I hate those 8-9 games. They're so tricky. <laughs> I hate them. Every year there's just like one 8 seed that just plays the game of their life against mm-hmm. one. At least at least one. Last year there was TCU against Arizona, and there was Creighton against whoever it was. I can't remember. Um, gosh, there was there was a lot of tough Who did second-round games for number one teams. It went into overtime. I think it was Kansas. I was just about to say Kansas. Yeah, because I think it was kind of a similar. Uh, uniform I remember matchup. watching it at at a at a bar in Indianapolis right before the Tennessee Michigan game. Send us a break. All righty, wrapping up the show like we always do uh, with a little best bet. It's gonna be weird not to to have a daily NBA over. Yeah, should I just start taking NBA overs? No, I think... I don't have the touch. I think it just died. Yeah, I don't have the touch. You know, things things live and then things die. NBA overs have died. What's your best bet, though? I am going to go to a good college basketball game today. I'm going to go to Purdue and Maryland. And I'm going to take Maryland Moneyline tonight. Minus 104. 
Maryland's been playing some pretty good basketball game, pretty good basketball recently. Um, they are five and one in their last six. They lost to Purdue only by three at Purdue on January twenty second. I am gonna see if the Terrapins can get it done at home. They've been good at home. Yeah. Kevin Willard did a really nice job kind of recollecting this this Maryland team there in late January and pulling their season back together. I was kind of thinking about Purdue in this one. Mm. Uh, that was actually going to maybe be my best bet was Purdue minus one. So I'll pivot here. I don't want to go against you. I was going to – I was I was 50-50 on this one or another game, so I'll just go to the other one instead. Uh, a home underdog tonight, LMU, Loyola Marymount. Uh, plus eight and a half tonight, hosting the Zags of Gonzaga. Um, LMU this year, they've already beaten Gonzaga once. They've already beaten St. Mary's once. They currently have the favorite for WAC, or not WAC, West Coast Conference Coach of the Year. Cam Shelton is probably the favorite for West Coast Conference Player of the Year. They've been excellent at home this year, 12-2 and record at home. Uh, you don't go into L.A. and win. No. If you're Gonzaga, you just don't go into L.A. and, and, and win by at least nine. <laughs> you don't win by nine. Don't. Uh, I don't know if LMU wins, but I think they cover. Uh, give me the Lions. That's my best bet. Sam's got Maryland, and that'll do it for us today. We'll see you back same time, same place tomorrow to wrap up the week. But for this Thursday, for Sam Beard, I'm Charlie Collier. Thank you for listening. John Reed. Cody McClure, Talk Sports. They're coming up next. Stay locked in to Fan Run Radio.